Hi everyone, welcome to Let's Talk Sustainable, the podcast for everyone who's curious to know more about sustainable development in food industries. I am Luisa Goza, a communication professional to be, and I will be talking to Carrie Daracci from Rainforest Alliance today. Good afternoon, Carrie. Great to have you here. And uh, thank you for participating in our very first podcast session of Let's Talk Sustainable. Great. Thanks for having me, Louisa. Sustainability, a term that becomes more and more popular, especially when it comes to consumer goods. But how can we get a clearer picture of what sustainability means? How does Rainforest Alliance, for example, define sustainability? A really great way to start this conversation. I think it um, lays the foundation uh, really well for this conversation, but it's also a really difficult question. Um, so in general, I think one of the biggest difficulties about sustainability is that it does have so many different definitions. Um, so when you're looking at it from, say, a corporate perspective, it differs by company. Uh, or even who you're speaking to within a company. Um, so looking specifically at how Rainforest Alliance defines sustainability, uh, we define sustainability as a journey towards continuous improvement. And the continuous improvement this refers to is really around uh, farming and forestry practices, farmer and forester incomes, and care for the environment. And so all three of these aspe uh, aspects, uh, the practices, the income, and the care for the environment are really key for RA's sustainability mission. Okay. And how do you work towards these topics? What is your position at Rainforest Alliance? My position, uh, my title is Key Innovation Account Manager, which is a bit of a mouthful. Uh, but basically, I manage the organization's relationships with several global cocoa and chocolate companies. And this means that I work with them on everything from developing and implementing their sustainability strategies, uh, are specifically around cocoa sourcing, to helping them to adhere to the Rainforest Alliance certification program, uh, and to market their work to consumers and to stakeholders. All right. So... Uh... You were involved on all kinds of levels in the in the industry, I would say. But how does Rainforest Alliance contribute to the sustainable development in cocoa origin countries? So RA approaches sustainable development through four key intervention areas. So I'll go through each of these different areas, uh, key intervention areas, and explain a little bit about what they are. Um, so the first of these is certification. I think that's probably the one that people are most familiar with. This is really where farmers in origin countries adhere to and are audited against the Rainforest Alliance Sustainable Agriculture Standard, um, and that's in order to improve uh, the sustainability of their farms and their farming techniques. Um, so that's probably the most widely known um, way that we work. Uh, the second key intervention area is through landscapes and communities, and this is probably the second most known uh, piece of our work. This is where we work with farmers and with farming communities in origin countries to implement specific sustainability projects that may or may not be directly related to certification on their farms or within their communities. Um, a third intervention area is called tailored programs. Um, this is where we work with companies to explore innovations in certification. So this could be something like testing out new ideas uh, or piloting things that we're already starting to put into place or we plan to put into place and really figuring out how those work in reality uh, very practically. And then the fourth and probably newest area of intervention for us is advocacy. Um, this is a big one. It's a really big growing topic uh, of conversation within sustainability. Um, 
And here we work to improve the enabling environment for uh, farmers and other stakeholders that work within the Rainforest Alliance program. Um, we often do that through engaging with governments, either in producing countries uh, or in consuming countries, or we may engage with other civil society organizations in origin countries uh, to help them to engage with the governments or with others in their communities. So those are the big, uh, big intervention areas. Um, taking all of these together really has a much more powerful impact uh, than each of these separate, but they are the four separate areas that we focus on. All right. So it seems like you are yeah, tackling the topic of sustainability on, on different layers and with all kinds of different yeah, partners. Exactly. Sounds, that sounds very yeah. great. Um, well, I think it's good to also take a historical perspective on the activities uh, within the field of sustainability. Could you explain how long Rainforest Alliance has been working in the sustainable field? So I can say I'll focus mostly on cocoa sustainability. Uh, in general, the Rainforest Alliance has been working uh, in, in sustainability since 1987. So I've uh, been around for a very long time. Uh, started in bananas, I believe, working with banana producers and banana companies. Um, but if we look specifically at cocoa sustainability, uh, which is an area I'm a little bit more familiar with, uh, RA's activities or the Rainforest Alliance activities um, in sustainable cocoa really correlate closely with the involvement of the rest of the sector uh, in sustainability. Um, so a little bit of history on that. In uh, the year 2000, a documentary was released that highlighted the issue of child labor uh, and, slave and slavery in cocoa. Uh, it surprised a lot of people, you know, consumers, people working in government, uh, and evil, even people working for the companies, the cocoa and chocolate companies that were uh, discussed in the documentary. Um, so it was pretty eye-opening for people, I think. The documentary was quickly then followed by the beginning of conversations within the U.S. government about how to address the issue. Uh, and out of that, those conversations came uh, what's called the Harkin Angle Protocol, which is very well known uh, within the, the cocoa sector. Um, that was established in 2001, and that called for an end to child labor in cocoa. Uh, a lot of companies signed on to that, uh, and so they started working government and companies together to figure out how to tackle this issue. Um, And at that time, I would say both the Rainforest Alliance and the OOTS certification programs, um, and just so you know, the Rainforest Alliance program and the OOTS certification program are now both part of the Rainforest yeah. Alliance. We merged uh, a few years ago. Um, but so both of those programs really began working in cocoa around that time, uh, around this time period, really seeing the need for intervention mm -hmm. uh, in the way that we worked. Um, so that's where the, the cocoa programs really began to take off. Um, and then in 2010 is really where they exploded. So several companies uh, who were working on implementing uh, the commitments in the Harkin Angle Protocol, um, they decided that they needed to go a little bit farther and they made commitments to source all or some of their cocoa as certified. Um, so this was a really big change. It was uh, really focusing on third-party certification and um, kind of expanding out the group working on this uh, in this area. Um, and this significantly increased the size of the two cocoa programs. Um, and from that point forward, we've kind of continued to grow, uh, if not completely steadily, pretty steadily. Uh, and we still work with a lot of the companies today that that kind of 
kicked that off in 2010. Uh, so a lot of them have become kind of our trusted partners uh, in growing and improving our cocoa program to this point. Okay. Wow. Thank you. That's that's a large development, and I would say the future will uh, bring up a cocoa industry which is fully sustainable. We will see. And how about best practices? Could you tell us one example that is a really good example of how the sustainability practices work at Origin? Yeah, so I think a topic that is um, talked about more and more often recently is climate smart agriculture. Um, this is a really good example, I think, of how sustainability has developed and uh, continues to develop within the cocoa sector, uh, especially at Origin. So climate smart agriculture is something that the Rainforest Alliance has been working on for years. Uh, and for us, it really means identifying ways that farmers can mitigate their impact on the climate uh, while also adapting to the changing climate that's affecting their communities. Um, so it has to do with different practices that they can uh, implement, different crops that they can add to their farms, uh, depending on the you know, changing temperatures, changing weather patterns. Um, and so we've been working in that area for, for a very long time. In the past, we provided training to farmers and guidance to farmers on this type of work. Uh, and it was more as an add-on. So it was something that farmers would have to sign up to. In addition to uh, certification, they would sign up for this training uh, to learn more about how to be more climate smart. Um, but now we're seeing that That's not something that can just be included as an add-on. Uh, we're in a climate crisis. And so these requirements have been included in the newly published standard for 2020. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that all of the farmers that were within the system uh, were implementing climate smart agriculture uh, and move more farmers in the direction of, of climate smart. So climate smart is the trend right now. Yeah, yeah it's a big topic of conversation. And um, how can we imagine to yeah, measure this sustainable milestone that you set per practice? Is there a way that you can really see how far you've gotten? Yeah, it, it depends. Um, so there are definitely different ways uh, that the Rainforest Alliance measures sustainable impacts or sustainable milestones um, across the different interventions that we we have. Um, specifically looking at the standard, I think an innovation there um, is called what we call smart meter. Uh, so that's a that's an internal <laughs> Rainforest Alliance term, but it's uh, it's within the, the published standard now. Um, and what that means is that certain requirements within the standard will require continuous improvement. So some are just, you know, do you do this practice or not? And it's kind of a, a little bit more of a, a checkbox, um, but we're moving a little bit away from that model and more towards this continuous improvement model, uh, meaning that farmers need to show improvement or at least show effort to improve uh, over time on certain certain uh, standard requirements. Um, and so for some of these requirements, the farmers will be able to set a target. Um, it depends on what the indicator is, but they set a target for themselves. And then their progress toward that target will be measured during their certification audit on an annual basis. Um, This provides the farmer with a feedback loop, which they don't normally have. Uh, they don't necessarily always have access to the data from their own farm. They're focused on farming and getting things done and, uh, you know, having having a, a high yield. That's yeah. what they want. They want to produce a high yield so that they can sell it. Um, but being able to provide them with this data uh, really helps them to be able to assess their improvement mm -hmm. over time uh, and adjust their planned activities. So 
if they've planned to do something every year, uh, if it's the same thing and it's not improving anything, they need to adjust those, uh, those plans. And so this data really helps them to do that. Um, and I think in addition to helping the farmers to adjust their plans to become better farmers, more sustainable farmers um, with hopefully higher incomes, uh, this will also eventually help uh, can help companies. So companies will be able to use some of this information in the future to better understand their own supply chains. That helps them to make better investments. It helps them to identify where investments need to be made within their own supply chains. Uh, and it also helps them to communicate about the impact of their supply chains. I think data is really key for companies. Um, it's becoming more and more uh, requested mm -hmm. uh, by consumers and other stakeholders. And so being able to have this data, not only for your own you know, factories or um, uh, your transportation, uh, those kinds of things, having more data about your whole supply chain uh, really helps companies to communicate about their own sustainability and their own improvements within sustainability. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's great to hear, especially the the aspect that uh, farmers can set their own key performance indicators, that's great. I imagine that yeah. brings up a lot of individual milestones as well. Definitely. Um, now, talking about the future of sustainable cocoa farming, what do you personally hope for the future of cocoa farming? So something that the Rainforest Alliance is striving for and something that I feel very strongly about uh, is what we're calling shared responsibility. Uh, and this means that all actors within the supply chain take more of an active role in sustainability all the way at farm level. Um, so right now there's a mindset that we need to move away from, which is, well, that's just how the market works. So that's how much farmers get paid or those are the kinds of inputs they receive. Um, and that's just how it is. And we place a majority of the risk and the burden of sustainability on farmers, uh, which is which is crazy to think about when a lot of them aren't even making a living income. Um, so we need to move away from that and toward a mindset of this is what it takes to make cocoa farming more sustainable uh, and sharing the responsibility of moving in that direction among the entire supply chain. Uh, RA is making this happen. Uh, through two new requirements in the certification standard, which are really um, innovative within the sector. They might not sound it on a kind of, when you look at it at a surface level, but when you really dig into it, you'll see that our, the Rainforest Line standard is really the only uh, standard doing this uh, within sustainability. So the first uh, of these two new requirements is the payment of what we're calling a sustainability investment. Um, so the Rainforest Alliance within the standard will require that an investment plan is drawn up by farmers and by their customers. So they do that jointly. Uh, customers will provide the monetary or in-kind investment to cover the investment plan. Uh, and then the investment plan will include things like costs associated with maintaining certification and other areas that are of mutual uh, interest for investment. So it might be kind of in addition to certification, they're interested in doing this certain type of thing and they'll uh, work on that together. Um, but it is very much a, a co-developed plan um, and implemented together. Okay. That's the plan. Uh, and then the second requirement uh, is a payment of a sustainability differential. And that's specifically a cash payment. There's no in-kind payment there. There's, um, you know, you can't just provide trees and say we provide 
$80 worth of trees. Yeah. Uh, a cash payment does have to be made um, by buyers uh, to farmers, so to the individual farmers. And that's really to reward them for their efforts uh, in improving sustainable farming practices and to stimulate further interest in in their implementing uh, these sustainable farming practices in the future. So those are the two two big uh, changes that are really going to support shared uh, shared responsibility. Okay, and just wondering about this uh, differential that should be paid by the client. Is this already a concrete plan that the industry, the chocolate industry is, is working on? That's a really good question. So uh, there's a little bit of history and then uh, a clear answer to that. Um, so right now, a premium does exist in the certified cocoa world, um, both for I mean, really across the board for all certified cocoa. So whether it's rainforest line certified or from another certification uh, standard, um, it's pretty common practice to pay uh, a premium. So this, uh, the way that this changes it is that this is a, a specific cash payment. So sometimes the premium can be in kind. Uh, it can be, you know, fertilizer or trees or training, those kinds of things. And those are kind of counted as the premium. Um, but this is a specific cash payment. Uh, and then there is uh, going to be a minimum set for the cocoa industry for us. Uh, so for the Rainforest Alliance, we will be setting, uh, I think it's $70 uh, per, per metric ton per farmer. Um, so that's starting in 2022. So there's a little bit of time to kind of ramp up to that. The premium that still exists will be paid up until that point. Uh, and then that will be required and audited. Um, and that's just the minimum. We hope they won't be changing that. They'll continue to keep paying higher than the minimum $70. Um, but this is something that the industry uh, is used to and mostly supportive of uh, from the conversations that we've had uh, with industry actors. Uh, so that's, it's really exciting. It's encouraging to hear that the industry is supportive um, and will be doing this going forward and hopefully improving it over okay. time. Wow, that sounds like a good development. Now, as many of us know, there has been a documentary, The Dark Side of Chocolate, published in 2010, which reported about Nestle and its purchases of cocoa beans from African plantations that use child slave labor. If we think about this and then talk about sustainable practices, I'm wondering how current is the topic of greenwashing in the cocoa industry? Yeah, uh, great question. So I uh, I won't touch on Nestle specifically. Uh, that's a very complicated example. So it's but it's it's good that it's out there uh, because I think it does open people's eyes a little bit more to the complicated um, the complicated supply chains that companies deal with um, and complicated information and realities on the ground. Um, so it's a, it's a really good example. But if we kind of shift to greenwashing specifically, so I think in general, uh, it seems to me that the issue of greenwashing is less talked about than it was in the past. And that's probably partly because a lot of companies are doing a lot of really good work uh, and important work in sustainability and corporate social responsibility. And I think people have recognized that. And so uh, some of the early greenwashing conversations within sustainability have kind of gone by the wayside. Uh, personally, I do think greenwashing is still uh, a threat and something that consumers and activists should really continue to be on the lookout for. Um, from my perspective, the key to ensuring that a, the work a company is doing uh, or claiming to be doing it's really key that it's verified by a trusted third party and has some solid data behind it. Um, so it's not always going to be perfect. So 
yeah. you know, even when that happens, it's it's not necessarily a guarantee, uh, but it's definitely something that's a little bit more clear and transparent to consumers and to other stakeholders. I also think kind of conversely, if there's a lack of public information about the verification or the data, it doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that uh, good work isn't getting done. But a company's claims definitely have more credibility when they're supported by a trustworthy third party relevant expertise. So I think that's really important. So it's good for people to to really be on top of that and to do more of their own research and understand what's behind uh, claims that companies are making. Okay, thank you. Now, as this podcast is especially um, produced for students, I'm wondering how can we consumers contribute to sustainable cocoa production? Do you have any recommendations? Yeah. Yeah, I have a, I have a few. Uh, so I think the simplest way uh, to really support sustainable cocoa production uh, and, and sustainable agriculture in general uh, is to look for certification labels on packaging uh, in your supermarkets, in your grocery stores. Um, that includes the, the Rainforest Alliance Green Frog Seal, uh, but it includes others as well. So just um, knowing which ones are, are credible and which ones that you trust uh, and then being on the lookout for those. Um, and more and more companies are using them on pack, so that should become easier over time. Um, I think other steps are to learn more about what your favorite brands are doing. So instead of just picking the brands that have certification, look at what brands you like uh, and see if they're what they're doing, uh, what's behind their what's behind their claims or behind their sourcing. And ask them to do more if you're not happy with with how far they're going. Um, write them emails or uh, post on social media. I know for a fact that companies do read those emails and do respond to social media posts because I get questions about them from companies. So companies do hear you. And a lot of what we hear from companies is that their decisions on what they invest in or what they how they market, they're really based on what customers respond to. So they want to know what consumers want and that's where they want to go. Not all the time, but most of the time. So the more they hear from consumers, the more likely they are to make a, a change in the direction that you're you're hoping. Okay. So yeah, those are really good um, remarks and recommendations for our students. I hope that we could yeah inform and encourage all the listeners of this podcast um, to contribute to a change in cocoa industry and to check the label twice. And, well, pick the next bar of chocolate with a more specific view on sustainable practices. So, yeah, thank you very much for being here today and giving us so much insightful topics on sustainability. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Louisa. I really appreciate it. 